on TV, online, and on Star. Tell me where my latest poker podcast is. It's right here, you dummy. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Coming up on today's show, I have been back in Los Angeles for exactly 12 hours. And here we are doing another podcast. James, Who loves it more? Who loves it more, Joey? Who loves my paycheck more? Me. Um, you know, you got to work. You can't you can't not work. We were what? I was I was with you in that studio where you are now like 36 hours ago. Yeah, approximately. It feels like closer to three hours. But yes, it was not that long ago. And the thing that sucks is I left London yesterday morning for you like just about 24 hours ago but you went to bed in the meantime and i have not so i feel like my brain is going to explode right now i'm i'm in a weird headspace to be honest i probably don't feel any less exhausted than you do it's going to take me a while to recover from our monaco marathon i think i mean i just mentioned that i was in the office with you the other day we were doing voiceover and that me and you like we had gotten into like a nice groove lately doing the TV voiceovers, like pretty fucking smooth. And we were terrible. Well, we were destroyed. You know, it's, it was, it was a hard slog in Monaco and I'm not complaining at all. We have great jobs and there's a lot harder things you could be doing for a living, but having done seven consecutive days of live streaming and then coming into the office to then do a TV show, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back a little bit. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, James is so mad he smashed a glass on the ground yesterday. <laughs> That's not when I was true. Leaving. That is not true. What actually happened, Joey, is we gave each other a hug goodbye. Don't and tell them that. The hug was so intense that I dropped a glass on the floor. Dude, how dramatic was that glass smashing, though? I mean, I, I feel like I, I think it was my fault, to be honest. I think I smacked it out of your hand when I was bringing my arms down from that very long hug. And yeah, I mean, it went... Like when they say it's shattered into a million pieces, like now I know what that looks like. And I think some went, do you ever have this thing? This happened to me yesterday. Do you ever think that when glass breaks around you, you feel like you might've got caught even though you didn't. Yeah. And you're like, like I thought I had glass in my shoe for the rest of the day. Ooh. And I was like, dude, if that was really glass in your shoe, your foot would be bleeding right now. So stop it. But you get that like weird little feeling in your head, like those glass in your shoe. I guess I should, uh, I should let everyone know what's coming up on today's show. Might be an been- idea. Digressing already. We are going to recap that Poker Stars and Monte Carlo Casino EPT Grand Final that James just mentioned. Uh, something aired on the TV in UK last night. And it I'm was not the sure PCA, it Joe. It was the super high roller from this year's PCA. So the irony is, having been about 11 or not, 10 or 11 months behind real time, we're catching up because the Quickly. PCA was in January. We are in May. So now we're only really about four and a half months behind. And soon we're going to be in Dublin. Yeah, and I and I knew that whatever it was we were showing last night involved Bryn Kenny. Yes, because that's how I did. Re- I actually did remember it was the PCA because I was like, "Who's the guest? Bryn Kenny? What did he do? He won the Super High Roller." Now, so are, yeah, are, are we really him- are we really gonna get Bryn Kenny? Because I'm always worried about like time zone confusion and getting poker players to do stuff early in the morning. Well, um, it's funny you should mention that, James, because um, I'd say right now we're about a flip to get Bryn Kenny because the answer he gave me was, and look, when we have the Poker Stars guys on, we get to make them hold to a schedule. Like, they kind of have to do it because it's part of their job. Um, when it's someone like Bryn Kenny, he's like, yeah, man, I'm happy to do it as long as I don't like stay up till 7 a.m. playing a scoop. And what am I supposed to say to that? No. Um, this radio show is more important. <laughs> like, fuck <laughs> scoop. So, yeah, so um, we got about 
a half hour to see if we catch up with Bryn. If not, I did a really fun game for him. Uh, all right, we'll talk about it later. Don't worry about that. Um, what else we got? Superfan versus Stapes this week is um, I'm going to get quizzed on the EPT sketches, and I feel pretty bad about this one because I feel like this dude doesn't have a prayer. Who knows the sketches better than me? Yeah, that is true. I guess he's probably banking on your bad memory. Uh, do people realize that actually you're kind of the driving creative force behind those things? James, and- I don't want them to know that. Shut oh, up. Said, okay, sorry. <laughs> That's the nicest way you could have worded that driving creative force. Not being funny. I have seen in the last two weeks at least two people tweet that they want us to bring back the sketches. I mean, what what cross-section of our audience is that? What does that represent? Like two million people? (laughs) They say that for every message you should multiply by a thousand. So this was back in the old days of when people would ring radio stations. They say every phone call equates to roughly a thousand listeners. Oh, that's different though because fucking every idiot has Twitter. Okay, so maybe it actually is just genuinely two people. Just the two. (laughs) Just the only two. Uh, Actually, I'm I'm down for bringing them back. I I liked writing those. They were really fun. They were often fun to shoot, sometimes not. But overall, I would do, I would do it again. Did well, you, you didn't have like a negative enough experience that you would not want to do it, right? Not yeah. at all. The only time it was negative is when, and we talked about the fact that I was sick when we shot the last batch of sketches in Monaco, and the weather was shit as well. And the irony is this year, and we mentioned this on the live stream, and I know we'll break down the grand final a bit later on in the show, the weather in Monaco this year was absolutely beautiful. And it yeah. was really annoying that we didn't really get much of an opportunity to go out and about and film outdoors. Yeah, I missed the sketches for like multiple reasons. Like when we got there, it felt weird to not be shooting them. I don't know why, but it just seemed right. Just felt weird to only really be walking from the hotel to the venue every day and not really ever get to go to Casino Square, uh, not really get to explore any of the uh, kind of the other parts of town. I did the same thing this year that I did last year. Remember, I did that, had that ridiculous like um, wild goose chase for condoms last year. Yeah. This year, I I left my belt at airport security um, at Gatwick, and so I like went into town to get a belt, not realizing it's fucking Sunday and nothing is open. Yeah. So it was just a total waste of a walk. The um, you left your belt at airport security. That's that's. I mean, for someone who travels as frequently as you do, that's a schoolboy error. You're actually right to suss that out. What happened was I went through security. And then I went and sat down at a restaurant and like, I usually carry the belt with me just to the next time I stop. You yeah. Know? And so the belt was in my hands, at which point Matt texted me and was like, what kind of ticket do you have? I think we have lounge access. And I was like, I don't know, man, they don't get me lounge access, whatever. And then he's like, no, we do have lounge access. So I bolted out of the restaurant. Like I canceled my, I was like free food and drink. Holy shit. Cancel my order. Stat. So I like, you know, I had him shut down my my order and I was in such a hurry to get out of there. And I also kind of feeling guilty that I like ordered stuff and didn't stay that I like left the scene of the crime with my belt still at the table. So basically the belt is like you paying penance. It was like a fine that you were forced to pay for being such a douche in the restaurant. Look, I got a free like bowl of fucking baked beans in the lounge that would probably cost them like two quid, and I lost a seventeen pound belt. So you story know, story checks out. Story checks out. James, I got a bone to pick with you, man, and I think I got to call you out in front of the audience for this. By all means, um, please do. What is it? 
You mentioned the other day that you're like not that hot on Jurassic Park. Yeah, just to be clear, I don't dislike Jurassic Park, nor do I think... you're not that hot on it. I don't think Jurassic Park is a bad movie. I just don't think it's as good as everyone says it is. I certainly don't think it's one of Spielberg's best efforts, and I think there are better action movies from that era. At the time, yes, the CGI work was very impressive. Granted, it hasn't dated that well when you look at it kind of 20-odd years on, but of its time, it was okay. But people rave about it like it's a masterpiece it isn't and i was able to put my finger on the problem about six months after i saw it when i heard an interview with steven spielberg and he explained that he basically made two films in 1993 jurassic park and schindler's list and the less important one he made two films back to back and i believe that he was cutting schindler's list while he was shooting jurassic park and i think that's very telling because i don't think his heart was in Jurassic Park. I kind of think he was going through the motions because his passion was Schindler's List, which is going to be a very emotionally draining film to produce. I mean, if he was making him this, wouldn't that be hilarious if he accidentally like used some of the extras from Schindler's List in Jurassic Park? It's just like four raptors eating a boy in striped pajamas. <laughs> I mean, that would be so messed up. Um, dude, but I, I mean, I really think that as far as PG-13, now maybe that's not a big deal in the UK, the way they demarcate the movies but like it's probably like the one of the best pg-13 action adventure movies of all time in my opinion bear in mind that certification in the united kingdom is different and back in 1993 you had the option of either being a pg or a 12 and 12a didn't exist so if it's 12 that means no one under the age of 12 is getting into the cinema so the the British Board of Film Classification, because censorship is a bad word, looked at Jurassic Park and felt, not being funny, it's quite violent, this probably needs to be a 12. And then curiously, Universal Studios paid for James Furman, the director of the BBFC, to go to Los Angeles for a meeting with Steven Spielberg, where Spielberg obviously took him through the movie and explained stuff, and they, they thought, do you know what? Not connected to the fact that we've just had this jolly in Hollywood with Mr. Spielberg, we're actually going to give it a PG, with the caveat there was a warning on the poster that said recommended for not under eights and that children of a nervous disposition should not go and see this. They so, made up their own classification specifically for Jurassic Park, got like a, a bespoke the official, rating. The official classification was PG with a warning on the poster. Wow. That's like, uh, that's amazing. It's like, here, here you are, sir. Enjoy the screening of the film. Here's a copy of the script. Those brads are real gold. Keep them. It's fine. <laughs> like just, man, man, the whole world's so corrupt. That's amazing. I got, I look, my, I think also that I hold it in such high regard because my parents were really strict. I've mentioned before, they're really strict when I was growing up. I what I didn't see many movies as a kid. Right. Uh, in general, me, you and Matt were talking about this. That I saw like, you know, maybe one or two movies a year uh, in the cinema. So um, for this particular movie, because I had read the book and my parents really valued reading, um, not only did they take us to see this, they took me out of school early on a Friday. Wow. Uh, to go see this movie. And um, they mostly because they didn't want to deal with crowds. Like they wanted to see it opening weekend, but they didn't want to go when it would be really crowded on Saturday or Sunday. And it was like, it's probably maybe overall the most enjoying movie going experience of my entire life. Like just like one of those life changing movies where like you just fall in love with cinema. Like that was Jurassic Park for me. Well, I think you're also going to have a very different relationship with it because of the age at which you saw it. So 1993, you were 10 years old, right? 
Uh, 12. 12 years old. Oh, wait, sorry, 11. <laughs> you were 11 years old. Okay, yeah. I was 18. Yeah, okay. So you're going to have a very different perspective and very yeah. different relationship with the movie. Interesting you brought up the book, though, which, let's be honest, is not a great work of literature, but it's a fun book to read. When you're 11, it, you don't know it's not great. It's, it's sure. fucking awesome. I, I enjoyed the book, and one of the changes that Spielberg made that really tilted me was the depiction of John Hammond, who in the book was quite a kind of nasty person, completely motivated by money, and in the movie, he was cuddly Dickie Attenborough. He was like, you kind of, oh, sweet grandfather, who'd, oh, what have I done? I've made a bit of a mistake. And I much preferred the character in the book to how he was depicted in the movie. I mean, I, I we're talking, you know, 20 years ago, but I, I actually feel like the one in the book is more of a trope and the one in the movie is actually kind of different. Like, he's a, I think he's a more well-rounded character in the movie than just being like the one-dimensional money-hungry guy. Sure. Uh, by the way, the reason this came up in conversation is on the plane back from uh, Monte Carlo, I had the chance to see Jurassic World. I, I'm a bit behind with movies. Don't really have the time to go to the cinema that much, and as previously discussed, don't really enjoy going to the cinema. Um, I thought it was amazing. Oh, there's a really fun roller coaster ride, um, and yeah, I, just, I was actually utterly blown away. Loved every second of it. I loved it. I thought it was a complete ripoff of the original Jurassic Park, like almost word for word in some spots. Well, like it's, just, kind of, it's one of those movies which is part reboot and part sequel, right? Right. And I don't like, even though it bothers me from like a certain sort of like ethical perspective, it's still a great ride. Like it's just so much fun. And it didn't have like the same suspense for me as the original but it had similar just like sort of uh, had my attention the same amount yeah uh before we move on do you want me to run through a few tweets from last week by the way yeah let's do it only um, if they're good ones well i've got that many because to be honest with you most of the reaction to last week's show uh was while we were still streaming from monaco and we kind of went through it all on uh, on ept live uh yeah, we thudman, some story thudman tweets an amazing summary of the appearance of mini thomas lamash on ept not live at ept live pointing out that that interview contained the following lines he bit me, take that thing away, his legs go the wrong way. <laughs> How did that, so what did you do about the podcast for that? Did you chop out a lot of Little Thomas? No, or? Little Thomas is in there and all you just have is me screaming like a girl and you and Matt putting it into strange positions, trying to get it to either stay seated or stay standing up. I was trying to get it to stay under the table with its mouth open. Uh, what have we got? Keith Woodward. Uh, enjoyed, by the way, this is more feedback on your work in Monaco than it is on the podcast. He enjoyed your introduction of Neil Farrell at the FPS main event final oh, table. Yeah. Top five intro of all time. Uh, Neil was a great sport with Joe's comedy. So normally, obviously, you'll do the whole kind of like who they are, what they've won, how old they are, you know, where, where they're from in the world. And Wouldn't it be great if we could just play a clip right here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we can't. But basically, you just introduced him as neil farrell yeah that was fun and i like i knew it was one of those things that like it was a gamble but like the four people who got it were really gonna like it My, you know mike awesomeo mike adamo he was like he was like the one guy i could hear laughing out in the tournament area he was like cracking up so thank you thank you for the kind words uh, a couple of other tweets. Sam Werger points out that amazon prime has stolen the intro music to ept not live you can't really steal something 
that doesn't belong to someone else. This is the issue with using library music is it's open source and anyone can use it. When he says Amazon Prime has stolen it, what are they using it for? Commercials? What are, what, yeah, I think it's, there's an Amazon Prime commercial. But seriously, what the fuck's going on over there, Amazon? Like you can't afford licensed music? Who makes more money than Amazon? Why are they trying to save a buck on that shit? That's a good point. Uh, and Fraser Robinson. Actually, you know what? Our company's doing okay, too, and we have to use the library music. So yeah, I, I guess it's the people people in glass houses dot 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 uh, <laughs> fraser robinson has finally discovered the podcast i think this is a compliment but i'm not 100 percent. no i don't think it is just listen to my first ept not live wasn't as bad as i thought it would be good toilet material i feel like that's meant to get a rise out of me and i'm not i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna give it to them okay well a, a new <laughs> joe stapleton this is what I like to see, as no doubt we now move on to social media beefs where Joe's going to pull apart some poor sucker who made the mistake of writing something negative on his Facebook wall. That is 100% correct. Should we skip right to that? <laughs> Seriously? Okay, look, we, it's, part, look it's part of the Monaco. Let's, we'll do it during the event recap because there's like a major thing that happened in Monaco that this is surrounding. So. Okay, fair enough. We'll, 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 move, we'll wait till that. So I got to back to LA today, James, and um, I have a, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. So I've like a I got like a really good deal on an apartment. Like I have a two bedroom and a loft for like less than I was paying in New York for something. And I the reason why is because I moved into the same building I used to live in years ago, and the landlords really loved me, and they just wanted to have me back in the spot. So I took it, and so I decided that to save money even more, that my friend Emily, she was looking for a place for a few months. I decided to let her move in. So I've never had a girl roommate before except for someone that maybe I was shacking up with. And so this is my first night in my apartment with having a girl roommate. And I'm not – I'm not sh- – like I've already caught myself doing some things and she caught me doing one thing that's uh, – yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she didn't catch me but it took about – I mean her first time coming home, I was you know, at the computer and I needed to prep oh, the show. Oh, no, prep, no, like, I no. I can't prep no. the show if I'm if I, you know, distracted. And so, um, what I was is just, wrong with you? Do you not what, think it's time to actually seek professional help? For what? For masturbating? You clearly it's, have an issue. You clearly have an addiction. You're like Michael Fassbender in Shame. Well, yeah, I mean, but I don't think that it's purely because of the masturbation. I mean, there's lots of other. No, absolutely, it's it's symptomatic of a wider problem. Well, anyway, so I could hear the her keys rattling around in the door, and my I was in the kitchen with my back to the door. Because uh, I don't, I, look, my, I don't have any bedroom furniture yet. I don't have any bedroom, so I'm waiting. In two days, my bedroom stuff comes, and I won't have to do this anymore. So I'm sitting in my table and chairs that I own, okay? Mine. So I'm sitting there, and I can hear the, the door, the front door opening. And so I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? And so because I haven't been caught in a long time, like I just haven't been in a situation where it's been that big of a deal, um, and sometimes, you know, I'm trying to get caught. So what I, I closed, the, I managed to close the, the, the porn tab first, but I couldn't figure out like a good reason that I wouldn't like turn around and creep my roommate that I've like never, you know, that's like first time ever being roommates. And I knew a hug was coming too. And luckily, James, luckily, no, it's a happy ending here. I went to hug her and she went, no, no, no. We're roommates now. We can't like hug every time we see each other. So let's just fist pump. Okay. And 
So there's a happy ending. I still have a girl roommate. Jesus Christ. I mean, how long is this going to last for? How long before she packs her bags and realizes I cannot be in the same room slash apartment slash building as this freak of nature? I, she already knows me. We've known each other for years. She, and the thing is, I gave her like a speech when we were talking about her moving in. I was like, look, first of all, I think we should set an out date for it right now. I think this should be not permanent for either of us. So we're only doing a short three months thing. And then I was like, the other thing is that I'm willing to charge you a, a ridiculously small amount of rent, but like I'm just not the be- easiest person to live with. And I kind of want to do things my way. So if you're cool with that, then we're good. And she said, yes. I don't think she thought it included this. Well, it, it, as far as she knows, it didn't. It didn't include this. So. You're talking about on a podcast that she might listen to. Plus, she's no. in the building right now. She could be listening to you as you speak. I mean, I don't see how she couldn't be listening to me because it's her bedroom's right there. I, I can't. Uh, I don't have a desk or anything yet, so I need to do this again in the kitchen. I'm in the same chair. I'm in the same chair right now. I don't need to know that. Um, <laughs> the good thing, though, James, is that she decorated and painted the entire place while oh, I was gone. Excellent. I've never painted it. Yeah, you know how all apartments come white. I've never painted one in my life. Do you have I've never to get, had. What's the deal out there? I mean, do you have to get permission? Do you have to get clearance from the landlord? Because typically, if you're renting t- somewhere, normally you're not really in charge of decorating, and you're not really allowed to. Well, typically, uh, in the way it works, at least in LA, different cities do it different ways in America. Right. Most places that I heard of New York, Boston, LA, that you can paint, but you just have to paint it back before you leave, um, is what most people do. I think that sounds like a ridiculous amount of effort that I'm not willing to go through, so I just don't ever paint it. But yeah, that's. But for this particular place, the reason why they gave me such a good deal is because they were gonna um, not rent it and gut it and refurbish it and then charge more for it. But they're like, if we can get a tenant right away, we're actually gonna save a little money. So they're actually gonna gut this place after I move out. So they told me I could do whatever I wanted. Gut it like a fish. Yeah. So we're gonna paint. We're gonna set some things on fire. You know. Um, what else? I was on channel five this week. I did not get to see it because I was at stand up. It must not have been that good though. Cause I asked Giles, I was like, Giles, was it funny? And he like, didn't answer for like a solid six seconds. Yeah, that's Giles's response to everything. No, no, no. Giles is like really complimentary to me. He's like super nice, but also he, he's not a liar. So he, he definitely, it was probably not that funny. I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Joe. I tried to watch it. I really tried to, but these shows just drive me up the fucking wall. And there was so little of you in it. And certainly the 40 minutes I watched that I just gave up. Was there a lot of someone else, or was it just a lot of a little bit of lots of people? Uh, it was a, it was, there was lots of different people. There was no one person dominating the whole thing. Okay. There were some people in there. I'm like, seriously, where the fuck did they drag up this person from? And then I remembered that you were on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's what everyone else is thinking about me. Come on. So okay. So skipping past the show since nobody actually saw it, um, I did have stand up that night too, and I actually had for the first time like a really not the first time ever, but the first time in a long time, like a really mediocre oh. stand-up performance. Now, was this the stand-up show that was meant to be themed around UK politics or something? Yeah, so what they do is they just, it's a competition where all their requirement is you just have to tell at least one joke on the theme, and it was the, okay. London, it was the London mayoral race. So um, I'm going to play you guys a clip later, which I include my joke for the mayoral race, but like I just had like, I just flown in from Monaco the day before and I was like tired and I actually ended up meeting up with this girl and, and like stayed out really, really late and my head just wasn't in the game um, by the time I went on stage. And the major reason for this, so I had all that going for me, the major reason is that when I got to the bar, 
the dude at the bar is like, are you Joe Stapleton? And I was like, yeah, hey, what's up? And I figured that he knew me by reputation, you know, of just being around the scene or from, you know, some people when you're in London are poker fans. And he's like, oh, I, there's been a delivery for you. What? Yeah, exactly my reaction. He's like, yeah. Someone delivered something to the bar where you were performing stand-up. Not only did they deliver something, James, but I sent you a photo of it. They delivered a fucking massive bouquet of flowers. Wow. I don't know if you can tell what kind of flowers those are, but that's like not... They look like lilies, which you normally send to someone who's died. They did say they were funeral flowers, so yeah. like that's what some of the people said. So I got these funeral flowers and a, and a big, nice bouquet of them. Like I'm guessing that's at least 50, 60 quid for that. Um, and there was a note in it. And the note said, I have to pull up the note. I wasn't. Uh, so I'm distracted because I've gotten flowers. And the note said, he's two now. I still haven't told him about you. And then all in capital letters, call me. It's Mother's Day. And, uh, it was Mother's Day in North America. Right. And then, then there was a phone number. Now, you guys, so James and I, I can see James's face right now, and he is, he is in, a, he's in bad shape. Uh, and I was also in bad shape, James, reading this. If this is something that someone's done as a gag to try and throw you off, or I don't know, the whole thing just seems really weird. Well, I would have assumed it was a joke, except for the fact that the flowers are, like, pretty expensive. And I just don't know, like, any of my friends that are that clever, like, don't have enough money to send, like, 60 the, pounds worth of flowers. The insinuation, the insinuation is that you have fathered a child that doesn't know about you and that now the mother is revealing it, the information to you and is saying, make contact because it's Mother's Day. So there's a number attached, right? There's a number attached, and I have – I'm not particularly – it actually relieves me a little bit because the country code for the number is a country that I have been to, but I never had sex with a girl there. And I know that you know Jesus and miracles happen, but it's pretty tough you know, to get a girl pregnant. Can you reveal which old, country we're talking about? Uh, sure, why not? Malta. Okay. So yeah, in Malta, I only, I like I definitely hooked up with a girl in Malta, but, but also, it was like pretty Joe, innocent. Joe, you do know a lot of people in Malta who may not have been in Malta two years ago or two right, years and nine that's months okay. ago. And so yeah, so Brent was there uh, at the show. Brent, who used to be a producer on the EPT, and he was like, "Well, maybe someone from the Poker Stars office that's moved to Malta lately." Um, I still think it's a wind-up, by the way. I don't think it's particularly funny, but I think it's a wind-up. Yeah, so anyway, like, I'm not, I'm not terrified by this, but it's definitely on my mind. And then also, because I did it, the, everyone saw this, like, you know, all the, the MC of the night and the guy running the show had all seen it. They were all joking about it. It was like became like a theme of the night was to make jokes about me possibly being a dad. Like when the MC brought me up on stage, he announced me as like being a sponsor for Durex. Like it, it became like a thing. And so I thought it would be funny if I went on stage and called the number and put it on speakerphone. Oh, and that is the clip that I have right now. My voice is cracking in the middle of it. Call me. 
It's Mother's Day. Let's call a number. Let's see what happens. This isn't a bit. This is real. I have no fucking clue what's going to happen here. Could be super aux. These European numbers are so long. And on speakerphone. See what happens, guys. Let's just see what fucking happens. It's a Malta number. This guy's terrified. He can't even believe it. Chin's leaving the room. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How dare you? User busy. Okay. That explains a lot. That's fine. It's probably with another guy. All right. Well, that didn't go as planned. Anyway, guys, thanks for having me. Um, I'm supposed to do um, a joke about the London mayoral race, I guess. Um, I realized I didn't know anything about what it takes to be London mayor. And then I was like, well, neither did Boris Johnson. So, okay, that's it. That's all I got for that. So no one actually picked up. No one picked up, and the, the gag went nowhere, just like it did here on this show, where there was like a lot of buildup, and nothing happened, and it wasn't particularly funny. And that was genuinely the worst thing that I could have done to open this thing. Because also, and I, I, you know, I made it a point to tell the audience that it, this isn't a joke, like, let's just see what happens. Which I thought they would all get like a, like a sick, dark comedy thing out of. I think it really upset them that I was doing it. Like, they weren't really on my side. I think that I genuinely, at that point, had been painted as, like, a guy with a bad reputation, and I yeah. don't think the audience particularly liked me. Okay, please tell me what the resolution to this is. Who sent the flowers? Who's the wind-up merchant? Because I don't believe that this is genuine. I don't know. I don't know what who mean it is. No. I don't know who it is. How have you not... You must have called that number since... I called it twice. I left um, two voicemails, one like comedy voicemail um, when a bunch of my friends were listening after the after the stand up comedy show. I think and, I know who it is. I've got. I think I know who it is. I think a it's theory. You think it's Griffin? No, I oh. think I think the flowers are Alex Dreyfus's way of saying thank you for hosting the European Poker Awards, and he's decided to try and attach a funny, in inverted commas, gag to the thank you note. I asked Alex, and it's not him. Damn it! I mean, I mean, unless, I mean, unless he's the genuine prankster and doesn't want to admit to it, but he, he is. And uh, Lucille, I was at the, I was at comedy with Lucille. She texted Griffin and was like, "Was that you?" And he was like, "No," because uh, he was my first. So anyway, yeah. I left two voicemails. One of them was like a joke in front of all my friends that night. The second one was a little more serious. And I just said like, hey, for someone who claims to want to talk to me, I don't know why you're sending me to voicemail. Um, so then I get a text about 10 hours later from that number. Listen, this was a mistake. I'm sorry for sending the flowers. It was petty. Be well, Joe. This is uh, yeah. I, I, number one. I'm still confident and that you shouldn't read anything into that by the way <laughs> but i still think this is a, i still think this is a practical joke i think it's gone way too far now i don't think it's particularly funny but we've got to get resolution on this joe you can't keep us hanging on well i i mean i wrote back i said hey look so i don't know what's going on but this is something pretty serious and i'd like to work it out and i have not gotten a response for that so Oof. anyway Anyway, let's move on because it's kind of bumming me out a little bit. Um, How do we move on from this? Because we got, we got the Poker Stars and EPT Grand Final. Moving on. 
Event Recap. Event Recap. So the biggest thing, James, I forgot to, to mention. I don't think I mentioned that much. And you think I would for me. For, for me for Monaco, my personal Monaco, was I didn't drink. That is true. You did not have a single drink. And we went out to a couple of nice dinners. uh, And you refrained from joining us in consuming a glass of red wine. And you stuck to water pretty much throughout. Yeah. So the first that first dinner was tough, especially, you know, because our boss was paying. Um, I really wanted to drink some wine. That, That one was tough. But by the end, it was pretty easy. And I did sort of I mean, as you mentioned, James, the week was so hard. I don't know how I would have gotten through it had I stayed awake one extra hour or been slightly hungover or like had slightly less energy. It was an exhausting training week as it is. And even on the last night, I went to the Irish bar at about midnight and I managed, I was like, I hadn't decided whether I was going to drink or not. When I went out, I figured, look, I hit my goal. I didn't drink for the event. It's the last night. If I want to drink tonight, I should be able to. And I didn't. I was like, you know what? I don't need to. It's fine. I stayed there. I stayed there probably less time than I would have had I, uh, you know, been drinking, I was only stayed about an hour and a half, uh, but I also didn't spend any money. So it was like a really good <laughs> thing. That's a new uh, experience for you. Yeah. And you know what? As long as we're talking about Monaco, we're supposed to give people sort of a behind the scenes, th- scenes thing. Sure. The Irish bar in Monaco is like just r- a really cool thing. Like if you decide that, if you decide you want to go to the grand final ever, and it's like maybe not the most social place. That Irish bar, the dealers are there, the media is there, the players are there, like the biggest players, the qualifiers. It's like a really cool cross section of everyone who goes to the grand final. And I would recommend it highly. It's just a really down to earth, great night. It's like the last night of the whole tour. And just to see, oh, it's like it's Zootopia where there's a, oh no, what is it? In the Jungle Book, there's a water truce and everyone, like all the animals, just hang out by the uh, the watering holes, so it's cool. Um, and it also, so yeah, but before that, things were tough. It was a tough week. Uh, it, James, it finally happened. I finally pissed off a poker player with my commentary. What do you mean, um, a poker player? I just don't want to say who it is because I feel like I can no, make no, it No, no, I'm worse. just thinking there's only one. Oh, but that's, that's the whole point. Like, it's the first time someone who, when they heard the commentary, just started texting me and was right. not happy and then went so far as, like, we had to talk it out in person. That's literally never happened before and yeah i'm shocked that by the way we did work it out but i'm shocked it didn't happen sooner like that was this i mean everyone would have had the under on this right yeah oh for sure but this is not someone who just to be clear because this was not the first time someone's written shit about you this is someone who actually came and confronted you personally via a direct channel personally and immediately like it was it was like the person hadn't even really like gotten off camera yet and what the text had already started wow so anyway we we worked it out and um that was a happy ending that's the most important thing yeah happy ending and i got to work on my conflict resolution skills uh another thing that i was thrilled about james was that yan bendik won um now a lot of people are big fans of yan bendik like um richard the card caller he said that yan bendik is like a dude that has just been on the scene forever is like one of the sweetest guys he said that Yan Bendik has bought him more drinks than any other person on the planet. And I, so it, I remember like on one of the breaks, Rich, some people be like, oh, I'm rooting for um, 
who the other guy, like the quote unquote better player guy, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the more GTO player. And he's like, I'm rooting for Yan Bendik because that dude has bought me a million drinks in my lifetime. And if there was a guy at the final table that had bought me a million drinks, you can bet your ass I'd have been rooting for him too. Yeah, the um, funny thing about uh, Yan winning is that it's kind of, in a way, a fitting end to the season because we've talked a lot about season 12 being the season of the regs, the season of the familiar faces on the tour. And granted, Yan Bendik was a little bit under the radar but here is a guy who's a former player of the year i think it was season nine that he won that title it's his third ept main event final table so there certainly is a sense that he was due and there were a lot of people this season who won a main event who were due but also it's this power of three thing that i find fascinating so bryn kenny who we're hopefully going to talk to about the pca super high roller he's final tabled three super high rollers at the pca Right. One, the I third see where you're one. going with this. Hussein Ensan, three final tables on the EPT in main events, wins the third one. For Jan Bendik, same deal. Yeah, I didn't even realize. I even, that's a nice little correlation you picked up on there. I mean, it's um, completely random. It's just coincidence, but I just think yeah. it's quite interesting little narrative point. It's one of those things as commentators, you got to find those like sort of tenuous connections. Mm. And we have something that works out that well. I mean, that's a virtual slam dunk. Um, also, he kind of has this like old school v- gambler vibe about him. He's like puffs his chest out a lot, but it's like, in the, it's like in the most innocuous way. Well, I think I said this on the stream as well. Um, I sat in on the interview that we did with Jan before the final table. And obviously you ask players like, you know, what do you think is your advantage at the final table? Do you think, you know, you're the best player? And Jan was very honest and he basically said... I am not the best player at this table. The guy in seat three, Adrian Alain, who was the eventual runner-up, he is by far and away the best player at the table. But, he goes, I am a gambler and I have heart. Seven three, I can win. Five deuce, I can win. Pick up aces, I can win. That was his attitude, and I love that attitude. But also, he was so entertaining at that final table for his thug life moments. Like when oh, he, right, yeah, yeah. What was that first one? The, well, the one the first that he one was against Jimmy Guerrero, where um, he obviously, I think it was a three bet, and Guerrero had ace 10 and kind of was like, not sure. And he just goes, I'm laying down a big hand here. And Jan Bendit goes, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> so good. But also, when he was heads up against Adrian Alain, and Adrian's like, you know, obviously, you know, Jan opens for a raise or he three bets or whatever, and uh, and Adrian's like, how much are you playing? And, and, and Jan Bendit goes, count your own stack. I have the rest. It's, it goes, it's, it goes 30, I was not in there for that. Goes, I missed that. It goes 33 million minus what you have. That's what I have. Oh, man. Like, that makes him slightly less likable, but also No, it awesome. doesn't. It's amazing. When your head's up, you don't need to ask the other guy what they have, assuming you know your own chip stack. Because there's 33 million in play. If you have 20 million chips, that means the other guy has 13 million. Simple Put that in your game theory pipe and smoke it, you fucking genius. You think you're so <laughs> smart. You know how many chips I have. Um, okay, and all of that, by the way, was prelude to the fact that I just made up all these reasons why I was rooting for Jan Bendik, but it was really because I knew if he won, I wouldn't have to do a winner interview. <laughs> and it was like the best heads up ever for me because neither Alan nor... Bendix spoke good enough English to have to do a winner interview. So that was like the best ending to my season ever, except for the fact that I went out to do the winner presentation. They threw like another random French guy on the uh, presentation. How many party. people were on that stage for the winner's presentation? This was really awkward about Thank it. Thank God too, we now that- shoot 16-9. Back in the day, someone would have been cropped off the side of the screen. 
when when I um when I was out there, like I had a list of all the people, and then this guy got thrown in last second. And as it happened, I was like, I had deja vu because I'm like, I think this exact thing happened last year, and the exact same things that happen right now, where I have to go up to that guy and ask him what his name is. And I did, and he seemed a little put off that I didn't know what his name was, what he did. And so I think genuinely the exact same thing happened last year. I went out there with all the names and not his, and I had to ask him what it is, and he remembered it, and I didn't, and I looked like a real dick. <laughs> that was not the biggest problem we had on Final Table, though, was it? No, it wasn't. And I think it's fair to say, and I'm not going to go into detail because some of it's not particularly interesting and some of it is genuinely showing people plumbing that they shouldn't see. There were a lot of crises. There were a lot of problems during our week in Monaco that uh, I had to oh, deal man, with. Oh, the man, one, the one that we can't tell you about is so good, too. I, by the way, can we please fire off? I know that, strictly speaking... The basket of kittens is meant to be for apologies, but can we please have the kittens to send to our executive producer, Francine, who unfortunately couldn't make it out to Monaco because she was dealing with other shit, which meant I had to deal with a lot of the shit that was going on in Monaco, including the power going out. Oh, I thought you were going to say the power that went to your head. You should have seen James, man. James, the first couple days, he was in charge. He He gave a big speech at the beginning of the event. He really, I mean... I will say this. I want to give him a hard time. He's a good leader, though, and you're going to find out why when I let him get through the rest of the story. The power cut, or rather the internet outage that occurred. Um, we talked about this on the stream. Obviously, it was a disaster for anyone watching because basically it just went out with no message of what had gone wrong, no idea of when we were going to come back. Uh, fortunately, we were able to get power restored to an internet junction box where there'd been a power failure, managed to get a Monaco telecoms engineer to come out at seven o'clock on a Friday. That, by the way, is no small achievement. Jesus. Got this guy to put an emergency battery backup power, which restored internet, which meant we were then able to feed again. And what we were able to do, thanks to the dinner break, is we were able to use the dinner break to replay the 45 minutes of action that had been lost when the internet went out and then go straight back into real-time action. So even though you had to wait about 75 minutes, no one watching EPT Live missed any hands or missed any significant action. And I think it's fair to say most people were pretty understanding. And for that, we're very grateful because these things sometimes are beyond our control. Yeah, well, and... uh so the whole story that James just listed out for you there, guys, like all that happened. And James was like in charge of a lot of that. Now, my guess is that he probably wasn't talking directly to the people working at the Monaco fucking Con Edison. But as far as like how we were going to handle it and how we were going to catch things up, that was like, you know, either James approving that decision or coming up with that decision. I wasn't around for it because, A, I was like, I'm just going to fucking hide while this is happening because all I'm going to do is get in people's way. So like the what you would imagine is happening during a power outage like what i'm doing is exactly it i'm like hiding in a corner and like giggling to myself james now on the other hand i so james freaks out about really minor details like if yeah. james is on an airplane and his seat doesn't recline quite as far as the person next to him he's going to lose his shit and he's going to like slam it back <laughs> and forth and stamp his feet like i'm not like i'm not like a, t- a lot but a little and so i'm an only james- child what do you expect so james freaks out a lot so when this is happening i was like shit fuck this stream is fucked james is in charge there's no I- where is he i'm hiding from him like i'll just fucking curl under a ball with my little cloak of invisibility harry potter style and just wait and then 
James, it came point where James needed to address me to tell me what the plan was. And he was like, hey, uh, so I was wondering if uh, you and Matt, why don't you guys just go get something to eat right now and then come on back down here. You don't have to rush, but we, we need you at a specific time. And then we're going to do this, this, and this. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Like, And he under, went under pressure. He was super calm and like not at all weird or rude or condescending like he can be when he's in a perfectly good mood. And I was just really impressed that it, there was no issue. Like there was like I was like, oh god, here it comes. And he was like, hey, no, no, we're just gonna handle it like this. And I was like, all right, buddy, sounds good. Well, here's the advantage of losing your shit over random, insignificant things: is you get it all out your system. So then <laughs> you're able to deal with a genuine crisis with a clear head. I don't buy that at all because no. I don't think it's ever out of your system. No. Um, but yeah, you mentioned that um, that a couple of the, that most of the viewers are pretty understanding, and I guess that they were. But you know me, James. I got to focus on the negative. Of course. You got to focus on the 2% who basically were like, this is outrageous. Yeah. And so that's why we're going to do a little late edition social media beefs here in this section. I'm not even going to name check the guy from Twitter, but basically he tweeted something like, I can't believe this is happening. We spend all week watching this and now I'm being bent over. And I just thought it was really gross to like complain about like a free thing and then compare it to being sexually assaulted. So I took issue with that guy. But then there was a dude that I really had to go at on uh, on Facebook named Martin Puskas. And Martin was... The, the problem was, James, the, the guys that upset me the most were the people that weren't criticizing the stream being down, but criticizing people that work around us, right? Criticizing the crew or the media or, or uh, people other than me is what I was really taking issue with. Sure. So I put up a photo of myself holding like some wires in a cheeky way, like, oops, I don't know what happened, like kind of like the test pattern goof. And this guy, Martin, decided, and now everyone was writing funny things on my funny photo because that's what my friends on my Facebook page are supposed to do. This guy, Martin, writes, they should update us with info on the live blog. This just left everyone in the dark. I don't know if he was trying to be funny. And it says, uh, and that was fine, right? That wouldn't have bothered me. But then he he replied to his own uh, comment by saying, "Come on, I've done live proding. I've <laughs> let me try reading English for once." Well, Come I think on. I think someone pointed out to him that the the internet was down in the entire building. Yes, so it wasn't exactly. just the stream that was affected; it was everyone in the building, players, Correct. live up. So he's he's criticizing the the blog guys on my funny Facebook post. Uh, he says, come on, I've done live reporting with mobile data when the Wi-Fi slash other means were acting up. And then he, like, posts a photo to prove it. And I'm just, like, annoyed that this dude is taking shots at the blog team and telling us how he'd be doing it better. Sure. No, I mean, the, the, the answer I would give there to inform Martin how things work on the EPT is that with a final table that is being streamed on a 30-minute delay... The media, including the live updates guys who do those reports for Poker News and the PokerStars blog, they have to report off the delay. When there's no stream to report off, they're kind of in limbo. And they don't really know what they should be doing. Do they just switch to doing real-time updates? Do they wait to see if we can restore the stream and they go back to reporting off that? So in reality, what they did, which is probably the right thing to do for the experience of everyone following the grand final, was wait for the internet to be restored, wait for the stream to be up and running again, and have everything in sync, the stream and the updates. Right. Now, that's how James would have answered it, as he just said. Uh, 
part of the reason James would answer that is because that's more of his style and his personality. And the other is that he knew all those answers and I didn't. I didn't know what they should be doing. All I knew is this guy was giving me a hard time and was fucking bugging me on my Facebook page. So while that's what James would say, here's what I did say. Martin, you are a fucking superstar and obviously way smarter than anyone here. What in the world are you doing not being the boss of everyone? So, you know, it's kind of the same thing. No, it's, it's not. It's not. But 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 anyway, I'm assuming there was then a response to there that. There was. Martin says, Joe Stapleton, this is not aimed at you. It is not an insult, not an offense. So why are you acting up? You are way disrespectful toward your viewers. Couple more instances over the stream as well. Learn to chill or simply ignore these offensive for you comments you put on social media. Point being is, it takes three clicks and about 20 kilobytes of mobile data to update the blog post from CMS end. You use 10 media streams. If there is a problem, please update 10 media streams saying so. By the way, what was Mad Harper's response to that? Martin, chill out. Joe needs a lot of power for his electric razor as he grows about an inch of stubble every level. <laughs> that's that's my favorite comment, by the way, in this entire conversation. And that's not even on my face. Yeah, so, of course, I needed to respond, and this response is, if not aimed at me, why are you writing it on my Facebook page? This is my personal page. You are not a viewer. You are a friend. He says, they should update us with the info on the live blog. Just left everyone in the dark. Ten minutes. I will refer you from now to you from now on as they. So now he's kind of acknowledging that I'm really not the person to be taking up the issue with the blog. Yes. Um, do you want me to arbitrate on this one, by the way? I just got one more good zing, and then you okay, can arbitrate. Okay. Why don't you use your 3G connection to show yourself the door if you don't like it? I don't remember asking to be your Facebook friend. Smiley face. His response? Valid point. Okay, I'm now going to arbitrate because I think there are good points being made by both sides in this disagreement. I'm very interested in hearing what my good points are and nothing else. Okay, your good point is that, yes, using your Facebook wall and using people reacting to a funny photograph to discuss this is probably not the best platform. And he's directing his comments at the wrong person. However, his point, which is equally valid, is you do overreact to the smallest thing. And where I think he's right is sometimes you just have to ignore tweets that you don't necessarily agree with or find mildly riling or offensive. Why do you have to engage everyone? Why do you feel you have to have the last word in every single debate? Well, the thing is, you d I don't engage everyone. I certainly engage more people than I should, which is probably like pretty close to zero as far as who I should be engaging. But I don't I don't react to everyone. I react to some people and I try mostly to react to the people that I get that I'm going to get have the most fun reacting to. Sure. Like but I think there's a perception issue here. And I agree with you 100%. We've talked about this endlessly on the podcast before. Just because you're in the public eye, just because you're doing a job which is out there, doesn't mean that you deserve any kind of abuse, doesn't mean that you're fair game. However, there does have to be a certain thickness of skin when dealing with a social media stream or the live Twitch chat, for example. I would say that your skin is probably not as thick as it could be in dealing with some of the uh, criticisms, shall we say, that get sent in your direction. It's not as thick as it should be, but also it's not as thin as it looks. Like some of it is I just think it's really entertaining fodder 
for me to pick out some of the criticisms and try to tear them apart. Like I just think it's I think it's other sections of the audience find it amusing, and so do I. And so yes, I can completely admit that I do take that I should be able to ignore it more. My reaction to it isn't a hundred percent genuine because I'm just trying to be funny. Anyway, point being, he accepted your point. We've explained now why there were no live updates during the power cut. Power got restored. People could watch the stream. They could get the live updates. Everyone's happy. And in a few months' time, they'll get to see the TV shows that we made from Monaco. Let's recap some TV. TV recap. Yeah, so while we were in Monaco, uh, the final table of the EPT12 Prague main event aired on Channel 4 in the UK. You can catch up with that one at PokerStars.tv. Hussein Ensan winning his EPT title. And then this week, now available to watch online, we move to the PCA 2016. And the first event, the first final table of that festival was the 100K Super High Roller. Uh, won by Mr. Bryn Kenny, Joe. Yeah, Bryn Kenny being there reminded me of the first ever Super High Roller. Now, I know he's made, this is his third Super High Roller final table. He finished third at the first two. I don't remember the last one, but I do remember the first one uh, where it was Daniel versus Eugene heads up. And I actually wasn't uh, doing the EPT or the PCA just yet. I was only working on the big game at that point. So I was actually sitting on the rail for that heads up between Daniel and Eugene and Daniel... Um, kept talking to me. He kept like, you know, he would occasionally like look over and say what he had or like make a joke or something. And all of a sudden, one of the producers came out and this, this show was being produced by a different company then. And they sent for me and they brought me in the back and the big producer was like, you got to get the fuck out of my shop because I think you're going to end up doing voiceover on this. And if you don't get the hell out of here, I can't use you on the show. <laughs> And so basically I got like – it was like a fun thing to hear because it was like news to me. Like I didn't know I was being considered for it at all. And so to find out about the job and then almost get fired at the same time was like a very surreal experience for me. But I remember that Bryn, he went out third in that tournament. I actually think that was the first TV show we ever did together. We'd done yeah. a couple of live streams, but we'd never done uh, a TV show before. It was the PCA Super High Roller, which Eugene Kachelov won. Yeah, exactly. And so I, it just seemed, like I said, I don't remember the last Super High. Was it a PCA Super High Roller you finished third in or a different one? It was one? literally last year's, PCA 2015. Wow. So, yeah. So, and he just, I don't know, Bryn's one of those dudes who, like, doesn't really age. So he, like, if you could show me footage, if, you know, if the, if the, uh, quality matched of like the you know the, the the stock we shot on or whatever i probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between year one year three and year four brin or whatever we want to call them um he just uh he just looks the same and he transported me back in time uh him and joe mckeon went heads up it was like the battle of the terrible wardrobes <laughs> uh, you know like who can be the bigger poster boy for why there should be dress codes at poker tournaments? Yeah, by the way, can we salute Mustafa Kanet for making an effort? Granted, the kind of bottom half, not so good, but the bow tie, the shirt, the jacket, come on. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second because I'm checking to see if Bryn's messaged me. Well, it turns out we do have Bryn Kenny on the line. Bryn, buddy, thanks so much for being with us, man. How's Scoop going? Uh... No good tonight. No good so far. But uh, it's only been a few days. Uh, the biggest tournaments haven't happened yet. It's on the next two Sundays. What are you playing? Uh, I'm in sunny Amsterdam, so all's good. 
when you're playing like a really long series and let's say you brick like the first, it's like seven, you're playing 70 events and you brick like the first 50, do you, does it start to be a bummer or do you keep a good positive attitude throughout? Uh, I try to keep a good positive attitude throughout. It doesn't necessarily always work if you're getting like hammered hard. If you have like a little bit of a little bit of caches or something, if you're getting completely bricked out over fifty, that's pretty rough. I've never been in that scenario though, where I've been getting crushed that hard. Well, that's lucky. You just have always hit something. Yeah, well, there's a lot of tournaments and more people in the other tournaments also. So if you play a lot, it's hard to like break out of everything for the first two weeks. Who are you? Are you grinding with some other heroes out in Amsterdam? Nope. Grinding with no one out in Amsterdam, just chilling, relaxed. Is that better or worse for you to like be on your own? Are you more or less focused? Um, maybe less focused and maybe harder to stay up at that, the wee hours of night. Yeah, right. Like when everyone's like kind of crowded around the laptop together, it's like a little easier. It's like you're hanging out with your buddies and not like working. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Also, if you're like dozing in and out, they can keep you from falling asleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I've done before. <laughs> so, Bryn, everyone's just got to see uh, the Super High Roller final table from this year's PCA. Obviously, a great start to the year for you. And Joe was just reminiscing about the time he was railing the first ever Super High Roller uh, when you finished third for the first time, third again in, in 2015, finally sealed the deal in 2016. Coming into the final table this year, did you have in your mind finish anywhere other than third? Uh, I, I had in my mind finish. I can't finish anywhere other than first. <laughs> Is that how you go into every tournament? Or are you one of those guys that just thinks you're going to win every time? Um, not not necessarily thinks I'm going to win every time. Just like uh, try to play my best every time. And if I don't, that's the only way I'm really going to be upset about it. Because I mean, you know, sometimes the cards just don't go your way, and you can't do anything no matter how well you play. Did you do you remember the first two times you finished third? Do you think that you did anything wrong in those situations? Uh, I might have got it in with pocket eights against Eugene Kachalov, like a bit a little too light for like forty big blinds in the first one, where I should have probably just called his raise from the small blind instead of three bet got it in. And then Can you believe this? He's like he remembers this hand from like, I don't know, what was that, four years ago? Like he's just like, Yep, I remember <laughs> Well, the, crazy. the irony is, Joe, you remember that it was Eugene and Daniel heads up. Because of this conversation, you remember that Brim was third. I bet you can't name a single other player from that final table. Shandor Demyan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, hold on. And then there was that other guy who's... Yeah, the other guy. Now, hold on. Hold on. He... What, Micah Raskin? No. 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 I think he busted actually a little bit, like, in this tournament, though, with, like, nine or ten left or something. Yeah, he went. I think he went pretty deep. Um, the other guy was uh, someone old, though, right? Now, whatever. You've already Brim mentioned Shadow Demian. I remember one of the other players who was there because we had a lot of fun with uh, Eugene and his buddy Nick Shulman. Yeah. All oh, right, Nick Shulman. So what about? Sorry, talk to me about this super high roller. Um, how cool was it to lift the trophy? Oh, that was the best. I mean, especially. When I was heads up with uh, Joe McKeon and I had a nice lead on him, but all of a sudden before one break, I just I tried to bluff him in one spot, got caught, lost another pot, and all of a sudden I was down like two and a half to one on the break, and 
I'm just like relaxing a bit, just telling myself, okay, like you might be short, but you can't do anything but win this. And then just came back and won it within 30 minutes. I think that's cool that you like are able to pep talk yourself. Like I'm just not really good at that. But like I think a lot of people can say it, but it's really hard to like take your own advice and to like allow yourself to be pepped up by yourself. Is that something you've always been able to do? Uh, when, when, uh, bless you. Thank you. Okay. When like, uh, you're in it. Well, I was just feeling great the whole tournament. Like I couldn't be stopped. And then just had like a roadblock kind of like where I lost a few pots. And now I was at the point where it looked like I wasn't going to win. So I started to tell myself like, Oh, like, man, you're going to come in second. So as soon as that thought hit into my head, it's like, no, 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 there's no way you're coming in second. Like this is your tournament. Like, forget about it. You're still in, you have to win this. Now during your path to victory, and I'm thinking specifically about what happened during that heads up, Bryn, you mentioned the fact that McKeon opens up the lead over you and you then double up a few times to eventually win it. Obviously a lot of all ins along the way. And during those all ins, you were fixed on one man and one man alone. And that man <laughs> was Kenny. We need to know who is Kenny, Kenny? Uh, Kenny's just like a, a long, long friend of mine. And I don't know, it was just working out. I, I didn't mean to do it in the first place, but then somehow I, just, I, I don't like to look at the boards. I like to look at the people usually so that I know if they hit or not by their reactions. And usually I would just look at the person that I'm heads up against, but he was looking in another direction too. So I just turned around and all, he just started telling me clean boards and I kept it up like that because it was working. So you got to really trust Kenny to do this because like I know, like let's say I was in this situation, which I wouldn't be, but let's say I was. And let's say I like look to my girlfriend or something. There's like a really good chance she misreads the board anyway and like celebrates when I've actually been counterfeited. Joe, she's clearly no Kenny. No, yeah. No. Kenny's playing like a million sit and goes and playing all the time. So he's not missing the board for sure. That's one thing you can definitely rely on him for not missing the board. The funny thing is, I remember when we did the live stream, Bryn, and when you said, I'm not going to look, I'm just going to look at Kenny. And the <laughs> entire audience thought that you were looking at a picture of yourself on the screen. And it's like, my God, that egocentric prick. He says he's going to look at himself. <laughs> that wouldn't work, though, because he'd also still be looking at himself and not at the board, unless he can somehow move his head faster than the speed of light so he can look at the yeah, board and then I'll, at himself. I'll see the board like this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you and Joe McKeon went heads up against each other. We talked about that. You guys were like the battle of the NBA jer jerseys. I want to talk about your style a little bit, Brent. Like, you have a pretty uh -huh. unique sense of style. Um, how did that happen? Like, did you just was it a development over time? Is it something you're conscious of? Or you just like grab stuff on your way out the door? Yeah, I pretty much just grab stuff on my way out the door and just see how it fits. Because it seems okay, it seems kind of coordinated to me sometimes. But I guess you're just that good at it. You're like that no. natural. Yeah, well, you got to match, mix and match a little bit with the hats, with the jerseys, the shoes. I don't know. I try to be comfortable. Actually, that's the most important thing. I think when you're playing, because you're just playing for a long time. So if I'm going in jeans and uncomfortable clothes, I'm not really planning to be chilling for the day, which is kind of what you need to be doing when you're playing poker. So I just, I've always just worn white t-shirts and basketball shorts and slippers and just the clothes that you're comfortable in. Cause I mean, also the, the, te the weather, I mean, not weather, the temperature in the rooms can fluctuate too, where it's hot or cold. 
And yeah, you need to just be relaxed in my mind and just comfortable to play your best. Yeah, and just I mean, I, for a long time. I mean, I see it as you, look, poker's a game and you should be having fun and relaxing. And like, look, you guys play it for a living, but it's not supposed to be something that's supposed to stress you out at all. So if you want to like just be comfortable in the clothes you wear, I think it's totally fine. Having said that, I probably, if you ever hear me giving you a hard time about your clothes on the stream, I swear it's just because I have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> That's okay. At least I give you another topic to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. With the flipped up hats and the... <laughs> you still wear a lot of jewelry? Uh, it depends what city I'm in. I can't wear that uh, cross in so many different places. Man, that's... Uh, and what about the tinted glasses? You got, you got like a... Do you choose your shade in the morning? Well, they're not... They're actually not tinted. You can see my eyes... So like it through the glasses, but uh, it's just I don't know. It's I I always just wear sunglasses. I have a slight prescription, so when I'm in like the two or the three seat, if I don't have any type of glasses, I'd have to sometimes squint to see if it's like a spade or a club. And that's not do, a scary poker face squinting. Yeah, yeah. So like if you do that, you're giving away info too. One of them also. So Can like, you read the board for me, Sonny? Do I have a straight or a flush? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Bryn, I need you to settle a, a minor debate for us. At Bryn Kenny World, is that actually you on Twitter? No. It's not you. No. Yeah, you see, oh, man. so many people think that this is your official Twitter but, account. But it's somewhat, But they do a pretty good job. They do. I it's. It, but you read it and think... This feels like a parody account, but only just. And maybe Bryn just has an amazing sense of irony and self-awareness and is almost parodying himself. Oh, nice. And they started posting again. It's good. What? So you don't know who that is? I, I'm pre I think I know who it is, but it's not. I've never made a post on the site, but they're very, very good. <laughs> so and so, so you let's, let's, say, let's say that it's me. For I mean, why not? Take credit. I guess if it's yeah, if it's not upsetting you, like might as well take credit. So, do you have a Twitter? No. Oh my God, Kenny doesn't have Twitter. Bring Kenny does not have Twitter. That's amazing. Oh, just bring Kenny World. What's it like? What's it like just not having to deal with fucking Twitter, man? Oh, tell me, tell me about the world you live in. Um, I don't know. I guess same as like not playing open face. You have a little more time. <laughs> Oh, you don't play open face either? No, yeah. <laughs> See, look at this. this is a hard-hitting interview with Bryn Kenny. We're finding out the real shit right now. I mean, I play too much uh, too much like poker as it is. I don't know. I feel like that's just burnout when you start playing, like doing everything on social media, playing like these games on the side. I don't know. I play like enough. Dude, Bryn Kenny, real human being. I like it. I like what we're getting to find out about Bryn here. I still maintain that Bryn is responsible for my favorite ever quote in an EPT show. And this was back at the PCA a couple of years ago, Bryn, when we were asking people, what makes the perfect poker player? And most people were overthinking it a little bit or playing along for TV and saying, well, yeah, you want uh, Ivy's focus combined with Daniel's card reading ability, Vanessa's aggression. And Bryn asked the question, what makes the perfect poker player? You paused for a few seconds and then just went, alligator blood. I remember as <laughs> you said this, yeah. I didn't remember at first, but yeah. It's just a great answer. It's my favorite quote ever from any interview. He I really sells it. I, I think it's really true for sure. That's like the, just like losing in poker has crushed so many people from having a lot of money to having no money. Even not even having alligator blood at the table, but off the table is even more important. Why is that? 
because it's just so easy to get crushed in, in like a game that there's a lot of luck in and a lot of variance and the even the people who are playing the best aren't necessarily winning the best and it's easy to win a million or a few million dollars and lose it all in the blink of an eye and everyone knows who has money and who doesn't so when you go from having a few mil to borrowing money off people i mean not everybody can really handle this swing of met their mind james hardigan Bryn kenny is wise he's a human being he likes to have a full life outside he doesn't want to be it i i like i love and, this and, i liked him already and, and he wears I like comfortable clothing now. he wears comfortable clothing which i think is a is a, is a great role model to set can Bryn Kenny, do you want to play a game with us? I keep calling you Kenny because I made a game about Kenny's. Do you want to play a game with us real quick before I cut you loose? Yeah. All right. This game is called Know Your Kenny's. And these are all basically questions about things with the name Kenny. And sometimes it's a first name. Sometimes it's a last name. But I'm looking for the other half of the name. Are you ready? Uh, Yes. Okay. (laughs) I love the fact that every week you ask that question, are you ready? And the answer is always Yes, with a really <laughs> nervous tone. Okay, I guess we're gonna see. It's a lot of pop cu- pop culture stuff, Bryn Kenny. So, um, you know, if if you're one of those guys that's always on the road and doesn't watch much stuff, it might be tough for you. But here we go. This will be a tough one for me. This Kenny is always being killed by bastards. Kenny from South Park. Yeah, do you know his last name? Uh. uh... Kenny from South Park's last name. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, it be no. his, wouldn't it be great if his last name was from South Park? Yeah, his, <laughs> last, his last name is McCormick. Kenny McCormick. Question number two. Surely he gets half a point for knowing that it's Kenny from South Park. Fine, we'll okay. give him Kenny from South Park half a point. Oh, by the way, I give money to charity for every question you get right, Brent. Oh, perfect. Uh, question number two. This Kenny is on a train bound for nowhere. He also knows when to do certain things. It's like a singer or something? He is like a singer or something. Uh, train bound for nowhere. He knows <laughs> when to hold them. And he knows when to fold them. Bryn Kenny. Oh, yeah, it's Bryn Kenny. No, sorry, we were looking for Kenny Rogers there, but I guess Bryn Kenny... <laughs> Maybe Bryn Kenny will be acceptable for a lot of these answers, depending on how skilled it is. Uh, okay, I feel like these are going to be tough for Bryn, but here we go. Uh, this real-life Kenny created his own reality tour in order to cash in on a popular sitcom character based on his likeness. Oh, is this like this Kenny and Spenny thing? Not Kenny and Spenny. It's before that. It's from the. It's from a 90s sitcom. Oh, no idea. Fold. <laughs> Ninth sitcom immediately fold. <laughs> that's uh, that's Kenny Kramer from Seinfeld. His was the real guy's name. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then he did his own. Yeah. Here's one for you, Bryn. What band is really concerned with where Kenny's radio is tuned? Uh, or maybe... Kenneth's radio is tuned. I was going to say, talk about square peg round hole, Joe. Uh, no idea. That is the band REM with What's the Frequency, Kenneth's is the name of the song. All right, I'm going to ask you one more, Brent, because I don't want to torture you, but I feel like you might get this one. 
because this one uh, might be right up here. Actually, two more. Two more questions. Here we go. This kitty has an arm like a damn rock and a cock like a Burmese python in the mind of a fucking scientist. Uh, this must be from some show or something that I don't watch. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, Ken that's Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down. Oh, Just yeah, this one I could have gotten, actually. This has been a while, though. All right, last question. And if you don't get this one, you may have some problems in your personal life. I fell all the Kennys. This Kenny took third at the 2014 WPT Legends of Poker. Oh, this one's going to be real tough. Tyler Kenny. Tyler Kenny, yes. Okay, Yay. you got one right. One and a, one and, one and a half by one my calculations. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to donate yeah, two well, whole questions worth of, to, to charity. You so. knew this wasn't going to be my game right here. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought you, you look, you were full of surprises today. The pop culture surprise, the story, you know, the story did check out there, but the rest of it was pretty good. The optimism probably came from the I don't play open face. I'm not really on social media much. So we yes. thought, well, maybe he watches TV and movies. Oh, yeah, movies, but. All right, well, I'm going to have you back on some other time and we'll do a movie and trivia game. Brent Kenny, thanks a lot for being thanks. with us, man. We appreciate it. Good luck in the scoops. Thank you. Bye, guys. James. Let's go to the lobby. Let's go to the lobby indeed. Bryn mentioned the scoop, the spring championship of online poker, which is now running. Um, obviously, there's so many events, Joe, we can't highlight all of them. But I figured that most people who download or stream this podcast will have listened to it by Sunday, by the weekend. So I thought I'd highlight Scoop 29, which is happening on Sunday, the 15th of May. This replaces... The Sunday Million, by the way. So the Scoop Medium event is a $215 buy-in. Same as the Sunday Million. But if that's a little bit outside your bankroll and you don't manage to satellite in, remember there are low buy-in versions of every single Scoop. So in essence, there's a low buy-in version of the Sunday Million. A $27 No Limit Hold'em nice. tournament. 200k guaranteed. So that is on Sunday, the 15th of May. Uh, for those of you who are ballers, by the way, the medium is $215. The high, which starts at the same time, $2,100. $1 million guaranteed. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to try to create a new segment right here, right now, off the top of my dome. If you're a listener of this show and you play that $27 Sunday Million version, send me one of your hands... And I will analyze it on, on next week's EPT Not Live. Wow. Uh, analysis without pictures. I'm looking forward to this. Maybe I won't do it, but let's talk about it some more. Absolutely. I also want to highlight some live events that are coming up. Obviously, we now know that Season 12 of the EPT is wrapped. Uh, we start up again in Barcelona in mid-August. The local tours run on, and there's two events that we want to highlight. Uh, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Eureka Bucharest happens this weekend it kicks off yes. may the 16th daniel negranu will be there uh if you can't make it to that one if that's not enough notice here's an event which i guarantee you will want to try and satellite into it's the marbella festival this is what i like to call a nexus event joe because it lives on two different tours it's part of the astraeus poker tour the Spanish tour, and it's part of the UK and Ireland poker tour because the UK IPT goes on holiday to Spain just as everyone else in Britain goes on holiday to Spain during the summer months. When is this? Because I've always wanted to play Marbella and I always write it in my calendar and I never go, but I've been, talk, I've been talking to a Spanish girl lately, so it could be a good excuse to get out there. 
Tango Novia. Uh, 14th <laughs> of June it kicks off. The festival runs from the 14th to the 19th of June. It's a 1,100 euro buy-in main event. And of course, satellites are running on Poker Stars. Everyone always seems to have a lot of fun in Marbella. And judging by Joe's reaction to those dates, I don't think you're going to get to meet Joe Stapleton this year. I can't go there because I'm going somewhere else. That's awesome. Fargo, North Dakota. Nice. I bet the weather's so, beautiful at this time of year. Yeah, so, you know, uh, sometimes you just get lucky in life. Should point out, by the way, if we're talking about satellites, I believe sats are already running to Barcelona. First stop of season 13 of the European Poker Tour. But no spin-and-go sats yet, eh? Uh, not that I have seen. I, I, look, this is my personal opinion, by the way. I don't know what's planned, nor do I have uh, any insight into future promotions. But my gut instinct is they're not going to want to do this for every single event. Now, I'm torn on that. Half of me thinks we should, but half of me realizes that it would lose its impact. And maybe you want to wheel it out for your biggest events. So maybe the PCA and the EPT Grand Final. But I don't know. Barcelona's a biggie, so maybe they'll start running them. But also, do we really need the extra players in Barcelona? We're kind of maxed out as it is. Yeah, I mean, that's not the way I would put it. Do we need the extra players? Because yes, we do, but we don't have room for them literally in Barcelona. I remember them saying two years ago that they didn't know where they were going to put people last year and they figured out how to do that. But it's it's not like one of those things because of the way the regulations work. Like they can't, it's not like they can add another room or they can, you know, go to another building. It has to be like in that one spot in the arts, right? Yeah, exactly. So the honest answer is I don't know. Watch this space. Maybe there'll be a promotion in June or July. So uh, we could probably send a super fan to Barcelona, right? They could have room for one of those guys. Yeah, enough of our yakking. Let's get to the game. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So last week, Mr. Stapleton, I think it's fair to say you held your own against Izzy, the spin-and-go qualifier, putting in a respectable showing with your knowledge of 1950s rock. I forgot that I lost last week. I thought we were still going to bask in my Seinfeld glory. Well, I actually have a good feeling about this week, which means I have a bad feeling for our superfan. Let's introduce him, uh, Joe Lipscomb, who goes by the name Scuff. Hello, Mr. Scuff. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, oh, man, are we going to have another, like, you're just saying this is another Warburton situation. His name isn't Joey Lipscomb? No, it's okay. Scuff, and I think we need to explain why you are known as Scuff. As in I explain? Yes, please. Uh, I do, I make rap songs. Scuff, Joey, uh, Lips, a.k.a. You've been around for a while, right? You've been tweeting at me. You were like a Huff and Stapes lister, right? Uh, I've got to admit, not quite far that back, but I think I have been stalking both of you for a while, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, I'm, re- I'm remembering quantity, not necessarily quantity of tweets, not necessarily quantity of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. I think I bother you guys pretty much every EPT live. Well, that's good. We like it. And you got on the show. Nice choice of subject, by the way, because I yeah. feel like you picked something that you are sure to get us on the show. But are, are you actually an expert on the EPT sketches? I am now. No, I, I may be. To be honest, I think I've got a similar memory to you, Joe. So 
Even Uh-oh. though I've watched them all in the last couple of weeks, you're probably still a favourite. But then you probably I, don't remember any of us. So. I feel no. I'll remember these. I feel like you got a major disadvantage here because uh, I. I mean, I wrote all of them. We did multiple takes for all of them. I saw most of them and begged them not to be put on the air usually. So, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of experience with these sketches. I feel like it's the kind of thing that most people just fast forward through. Yeah. Well, I thought, no, I did really enjoy them, but it wasn't until I watched them again that I realized how few of them I remembered. Uh-oh. But, uh, That's because yeah. you only remember the good ones and there aren't that many good ones. Uh, no, no, I no, actually- no, no. I, I remember the ones where the joke got done about 40 times. <laughs> Um, I actually share Joe's concerns that he's going to walk the floor with you here, Scuff, because uh, this is something he does know about. The sketches are something very close to his heart. But we'll see how it goes. What I will do, um, I'm going to throw you a bone, which is if you need clues, I will happily provide them, whereas Mr. Stapleton will be denied said clues. So hopefully we can level the playing field a little bit. Brilliant, yeah. I mean, the main thing, I just wanted to be a favourite to get on the show and get the T-shirt. Well, so there you go. And you know that's guaranteed. But obviously it would be nice to well get played. the €27 Stepsy <laughs> ticket as well. Um, so let's kick off the game. Superfan versus Stakes. As we start with a round called Geek Chic. Now, I'm sure having recently rewatched all the sketches, Scuff, you remember the fact that Joe is normally wearing some ridiculous outfit and I'm wearing some geeky T-shirt referencing some obscure movie or TV show. The question is, what TV show or movie was I representing at various events? Now, if you can get it from the event, I'll give you two points. If you need to tell, if, if you need me to tell you what was actually written on the T-shirt as a clue... Then you're playing for one point. So do you want to go first or second here? I'll go first. Just to be clear, so I'm, I need to tell you the event, not the TV show. No, you need to tell me the movie or the TV show that I was repping at, with the first question, PCA 2013. Oh, God. Now, uh... if you need a clue... I can tell you what was written on the T-shirt, and then you can tell me what movie or TV show it was referring <laughs> to, but that will only be worth one point. Okay. Um, okay, give me one second. So, PCA 2013. Which I believe, Joe, was the debut of the sketches. This was the first time we ever did them, right? This is this is a great setup for a question, James, because it's like the one thing other than hiring the crew that I have, like, nothing to do with. I know, you see, I'm levelling the playing field. Hold on, so the first one in Monaco, that's the one where Joe was running around in a stupid suit. That was the second batch of sketches ever done. The first one was the PCA 2013, about three months before Monaco. Right. This yeah, is you're going to have to give me a clue. Okay, I'll tell you, what was written on the t-shirt were the letters... T S T and a Norwegian flag. What movie? <laughs> oh man, Jesus Christ! I would have got this wrong until you said the clue. It's now only worth one point. I, uh, uh, I am at such a loss. Uh, T S T Norwegian flag. Uh, uh, is it something? F- it. In black and white with French subtitles? No, it's something in colour. <laughs> I do say that, though. In Norwegian, <laughs> hence the Norwegian flag. Mm. Yeah, if yeah. you can name a Norwegian movie from the last <laughs> five years, chances are you'll get it. Yeah, and I don't think I, I don't... I don't. 
I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I can. Oh dear, so, Joe. The you bridge. Can, you can. It's not the bridge, which is actually Danish, Swedish, and on TV. Yes. Uh, yes. Joe, you can steal for one point. James. Yes. Do not make him feel bad for taking a guess. I'm. I, okay. I apologize. <laughs> okay, uh, James. I believe that was the from the movie Trolja Garen. Troll Hunter is correct. So Joe okay. gets one now, point. I, I have a confession. Wow. Yeah. What's your confession? Well. I knew it was Troll Hunter, but I Googled how to say it in Norwegian, so I don't know if you want to give me the point or not. I'll give you half a point. Okay. Stay off the internet, Joe. Me or him? Uh, sorry, Jojo. That's why <laughs> ah, I'm calling. That's, that's why it helps calling you Scuff because it makes yeah. very it's a very clear distinction who I'm talking to. So Joe Stapleton. Yeah. What movie or TV show was I referring to at PCA 2014? Um, I, I, I have, I've narrowed it down to two, uh, but I shouldn't say what they are because then maybe Scuff can use it for the next one. Because if, because if I get it wrong, so I'm are you going to take a punt for two points, or are you going to take the clue? No, I'm going to take a punt. I'm going to take. The, I'm going to go for the extra point. Go for it. Uh, and I'm going to say Goodfellas. Incorrect. So Scuff, Shit. you can steal. If you know the answer, you get two points. If you need the clue, it's worth one point. I really thought I would know exactly what the questions be, would be, and the last thing I thought would be those t-shirts. Is it the blurred out one? No, it's not the blurred out one. <laughs> uh, if, if I can describe the t-shirt, do I get I half can tell point? You, I can tell you what's on the t-shirt, and then you have to tell me what the movie or TV show is. And you'll be up one I'm nothing. Ne I'm never, never going to do that. Is it? I think it's got an elephant on it. There is no uh, elephant. There is an animal on it, though. You, you, you're on. right in that respect. Tell me the animal, I'll try. The animal is a lion, and it says East Dillon Lions. Yeah, I watched that one today. I thought I didn't know who that who, who that team was. Man, I did not realise you were this geeky. Were they, James, were those the lions they fed the Christians to in the original Ben-Hur? Is that what that's from? No, it's, it's, it's not from that. It is a football team. A fictional football team. American football, for those of you who follow soccer. Here's the tiebreaker question, by the way, Scuff. How many of these t-shirts did I buy for James for various <laughs> birthdays? I, I'm, I'm guessing that you're not going to get the answer Batman. here, Scuff. It's not from Batman, no. Uh, the answer was Friday Night Lights. Uh, so, oh my God. here we go. Don't worry, there's only two more of these before we get into the uh, Fast Furious trivia round. Uh, EPT 11 London, 2014. Hmm. Do you know what movie I was repping at that event? Or do you need the clue? I will need the clue. It said Professor Marvel. I don't even know this one with the clue. No. I remember asking you at the time, what the fuck is Professor Marvel? It and is a remember. classic film from the 1930s, which I'm pretty sure, <laughs> even if you haven't seen, you will be well aware of. One of the best known films of all time. Of all time? Yeah. It's a very famous film. Star Wars. <laughs> a famous film, yes. Was it made in the 1930s? No. And you've now lost your right to steal, Joe. It wasn't your question. <laughs> um, um, the, uh, it's a musical. Casablanca probably isn't even a musical. Uh, Not yeah. a musical. Oh, it's James, made in the James, 1940s. Don't say it. Don't say it. Go on. James is going to... Dude, you just said Casablanca was a musical and James is about no, to lose his I shit right oh. now. No, no, no. I, to be fair, he then qualified it with... 
oh no, that's not a musical. Uh, okay. So so he gets let off. Joe, do you, do you have you worked it out yet? You're not going to get a point, but I'm interested if you worked it out. Um, it's a musical from the 1930s. Uh, um, uh, the, uh, the the Over the Rainbow one. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Yes, it is, but you don't get the point. Uh, final question in this round. In the game I like to call Geek Chic. Joe, EBT 11 <laughs> Grand Final 2015. The last sketches that we ever shot. What movie was I referring to with my geeky t-shirt? Last sketches we ever shot. I was dressed like Dracula. You were... What movie were you in? I'll, I'll take the clue. It said Stovington Eagles. Son of a bitch. Was it the movie Friday Night Lights? No, it was not the movie <laughs> Friday Night Lights. Scuff, you can steal for a point. My friends have, like, OCP t-shirts from Robocop. I've never heard of anyone with geek t-shirts from, like, 1930s yeah. film. No, no, no. This, this, okay. okay, this film is from the 1980s. Blade Runner. Right decade, wrong movie. The answer was The Shining. Stovington Eagles is a t-shirt that Jack Nicholson wears in The Shining. Jeez. So at the right. end of round one, Joe, you lead by a half a point. Okay, fast trivia now. And remember... You can have a clue if you need it, Scuff. Uh, your first question. Location Barcelona, what was on Joe's underpants on Las Ramblas? Superman. Correct, for a point. Uh, actually, it was the Superman symbol, not actually Superman. <laughs> Joe? Yes? Name yes. three of the four celebrities we went searching for in Monaco during the EPT-10 Grand Final. Roger Moore, um, Mick Hocknall. Yes. You too, Bono. Yes. Joe gets a point. It's now one and a half to one. Uh, your next question, Scuff. Location, London. What is Joe's actual name according to his driver's license? <laughs> yes. I was hoping this one come up. Joe Stapleton's real name is Damien George Stapleton. Correct. <laughs> So stupid. Oh my god. How did you guys ever let me write some of this shit? Uh, more to the point, how did any of it actually make it to air? Joe. What the hell? Location, PCA. Whose guest list did we claim to be on at the Aura nightclub in the Bahamas? Wow. Uh, it's the DJ... Steve the DJ. Yes, correct. Wow. <laughs> okay, your next question. Scuff. Location. <laughs> London. Who did Joe have his picture taken with in Parliament Square? Uh, the famous nun, Westminster Abbey. Correct. <laughs> Pretty good. Joe. Location. PCA. What song is on Joe's Island playlist? It's, um... Oh, it's gotta be... It's... Shit. It's Kokomo, right? Yeah, it is Kokomo. The only song. You know song. what I'm doing is I'm not remembering the answers. I'm rewriting the sketch. And, like, if I had to write a dumb sketch, what would the joke be? And then I'm just coming up with the same joke again. Oh, uh, that's not fair, because... Yeah. Well, well, that's hence the advantage. Yes. Yeah. Now, 
We're entering the final round here. Uh, Scuff, I'm going to give you the choice. Location Monaco or location Barcelona? Barcelona. Barcelona, what did Joe do outside the zoo that he was specifically told not to do? <laughs> Without a doubt, the best sketch you guys ever did, he ran. He, he ran. ran. And <laughs> for, for a bonus, two points. How much money did I give Joe to spend? Only 10 euros. <laughs> Correct. Don't spend it all at once. <laughs> that I agree. That, that might be my favorite sketch of ours. Without a doubt. Six points. So, Joe, you get Monaco. What did you wear during the EPT9 Grand Final? The EPT9 Grand Final. I wore uh, an ill-fitting tuxedo. Correct. And for a bonus point, what accessory did you spend most of your money on? That ill-fitting tuxedo, by the way, is um, my main online dating profile picture. Like on every, it's it's me standing in the fountain in Monaco from that shoot. Um, the answer to that question is I spent most of it on a Monaco. Correct. <laughs> uh, however, that one was only worth one point, which means the final score is five and a half to Joe and six points to our superfan Scuff. Who has, con who has won this game of Superfan versus Stapes, which means he gets a 27 euro Stepsy ticket in addition to the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Had to give you the extra point. Bear in mind that Joe was at a massive advantage for having written all of the sketches that these questions were based on. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, to borrow a line from uh, the Jackie Childs from Seinfeld, this may be the most public of my many embarrassments. The <laughs> fact that I couldn't even win this one, actually, it hurts a little. Oh, it's basically because I threw in the extra point for knowing the exact amount of money that I gave you to spend because I thought that might be quite, quite you know, might be too tough. But actually... I don't know that I would have got that one either. Right. Uh, anyway, Scuff, congratulations. Thank you very much for coming on the show and thank you for watching the live streams and supporting us. Thank you very much, guys. Good luck with everything. Nice one, Scuff. Scuff, before we get ready, I really meant to ask, are you a full-time rapper? No, I, I also design clothes. Actually, Sorel Mitzi and Fatla Demelo both worn my T-shirts. Really? Yeah, yeah. That, these drawings of animals and stuff. See, look um, at that. We had something fucking poker-related in the show for once, because I remember to ask this guy what he does for a living. Well, the cru <laughs> crucial thing is, Scuff, if you ever want to design a T-shirt that alludes to an obscure 1950s Czech film, I'm more <laughs> than happy to wear it on television. <laughs> okay, brilliant. I'll look into that for you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. I don't really know what's going to be on next week's show. I mean, we have a TV show to talk about. Yeah, PCA main event. And I know that we'd initially talked about trying to get hold of Tony Gregg, but time zone differences and all that jazz. I'm not sure we're going to be able to make it work. Yeah, we need him like 4.30 in the morning or something. And I'm not even really comfortable asking about that. Like, I'll just say, like, I'm the off chance that you're like a fucking weird freak that's up at 4.30 in the morning when you don't have to be. Great. Then we'll do it. That's a good but way I, of putting it for sure. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll word it, you know, I, there I go alienating people again. Okay, um, well, well, here's the thing. Maybe we'll try and do some uh, hand histories from the $27 buy-in low scoop yeah. event at the weekend. Send in your hand histories, please. Hashtag them, EPT not live. I thought it might be fun to wheel out Sandy the Degenerate Fuck and just, you know, for the next few weeks while we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about, just tell some old stories. Just uh, some old war stories. We'll change the names to protect the innocent. 
and uh, or the guilty in uh, most cases. And uh, we'll do that. I also don't know what we're going to talk about, James, because so today when I was or yesterday when I was leaving the UK before I got on the plane, I deleted all my dating apps. Wow. Yeah. Did I just thought did something even worse than what happened in Monaco happen, which led to this? Not worse, but just more of the same. Uh, not on the prostitution front, but okay. on the like. Just, just, just the, double just, checking. Yeah, no, just on the like the front of not be doing very well and just spending a lot of time and effort on stuff that's not really very worthwhile. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on me for a little bit. So that's um, oh, so funny. James, James froze with his eyes closed, like he didn't believe me. Um, it just looked like you were very doubtful because your eyes were slitted closed. No, it was um, more of a kind of like, without your dating anecdotes, what the hell are we going to do to yeah, well, fill I, this I, show? We've got TV shows for two more weeks. We've got some super fans lined up. Still taking applications, by the way. Hashtag EPC not live. I'm not taking a break from dating completely. I'm just not using the apps anymore. There's a few people that you know I just know in real life, and if I hang out with them, great. So maybe I'll have some stories from that. Um so we'll see. We'll see what develops. But uh, until next time, that's all the time we've got. For James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.